2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website
1: for details. Throw back to the old intro music. I love it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the On the contrary, show the final one of the year, and it's going to be a doozy. Six, Well, 15 games to touch on because this marvelous Washington-Philadelphia game got flexed to Sunday night. I'm Dave Loughran. With me, as always, Alex Baker on Twitter at AwesomeODFS. It's been a long road, Alex, but you know what? We got the entire season in, some bumps, some hiccups along the way, but here we are rounding out week 17 with a 15-game slate.
0: Yeah, man, It's been a good season. It's a, it's a little sad that we've come to the end of the regular season, but week 17 is always uh, a really fun one because it's a lot about like, kind of like reading the, the news in addition to kind of figuring out the best plays. So excited to break it all down.
1: And joining us is a tough one. Give, give the man some credit just for jumping on the screen for a week like this. For the second time this season, Rich Rebar, at Lord Reeves on Twitter. Uh, the man knows his football. Fantastic analyst. You can check out all of his work at sharpfootballanalysis.com What's up, Rich? what's going on guys happy new year i'm
2: glad that you guys brought me in to close this down in this the special week week 17 which you know can get kind of weird sometimes and we either have you know it's a bummer we won't get dwayne washington repeating his you know performance from a couple years ago in week 17 as he won't be able to play but the rex burkhead plays or nile davis uh some of our dfs gems from week 17 in the past who will we have this week this season
1: Well, we're going to try and figure that out over the next hour. And, of course, we're happy to have all of you guys with us. Happy New Year to all of you. Hopefully you stayed safe and maybe got a little bit drunk a couple days ago. This is my first show since uh, the year turned to 2021. It's just such a pain in the ass putting the new date down. I can't get it right until at least (laughs) February. But, hey, if you haven't done so yet, hit that thumbs up. And, more importantly, subscribe to the channel – We're making a push to 50K, and the only way we can do that is with your help. As a matter of fact, the only way or the only reason we're almost at 47,000 subs is because of you guys. If you like what we do here, you want to help support us. But more importantly, you want us to show up more in the browse feature, the recommended feed. You want to know when we go live. All of that good stuff. Or you think maybe we helped you along the way since you started watching our shows and haven't subscribed yet? Hit that subscribe button. Help us get the 50K. Alex, we're going Super Bowl now. We're going to get the 50K by the Super Bowl. We were trying by the end of the year. We came up a bit short, but when we started, we were at like 40,000. Now we're almost at 47. So we're making this happen, man. I think by the Super Bowl, we're going to be there. We're just going to do monster giveaways to show our appreciation.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be exciting. I mean, the Super Bowl is a great time to celebrate it in the first place. But if we had 50K that weekend, that'd be pretty sick.
1: Certainly would. All right, Rich, let's dive into this. Uh, I, I, took, I thought long and hard about how to format this show because Week 17 is unlike anything else. It's the only 15-game slate of the season. But on top of that, it gets even more polluted with with, with questionable, doubtful, out, no playoff implications, crazy playoff implications. There's so many different uh, things that we have to navigate around. So let's dive into it with this. On a 15-game slate, how are you approaching something like this? Do you do anything differently, or do you just kind of keep the same process But at the same time, maybe rule certain games out entirely that have no meaning, maybe Patriots, Jets um, or, or, or whatnot. How are you looking at this with so much to sift through? Yeah. I don't really
2: change a lot. I'm still looking for, you know, the air quotes, the the best plays, And I want to play those guys. Uh, but yeah, definitely just try to take in some of the information that is surrounding some of the teams, you know, are what, what the motivation factor do, does this team have something to play for? Do they not, uh, these games where it's both teams, there aren't a lot of games though on this. We did get lucky that where it's just both teams don't have a lot at stake or have nothing. We, at least one side, typically in every game is got something going on. Um, so we do have that for us. And you but to, you know, a lot of these teams that have something to play for, there are some good, you know, onslaught. Options. I mean, obviously the Titans, you have the opportunity, to, we have an opportunity to either go all in on the big dog or fade in one more time and play the Titans passing game. Uh, we've got one more week to just pick on the Jaguars defense with as many guys as possible. You know, Alex being a Bears fan, saw all last week. You know, they're putting, the Bears are putting up 40 on the Jaguars. Uh, so, I mean, you, we've got a Colts in a situation where all their guys are a little more affordable and you have some pieces, um, a game like the, you know, like the Vikings lines, there's not, both sides end not have anything to play for it. we see Matthew Stafford looks like he's going to play already we know red ass Mike Zimmer is not gonna have his guys you know just punt the last week <laughs> of the season that's just not in his you know mentality um, and so I mean yeah we're just trying to just take in as much as we can and it keeps getting crazy because you know everyone seems like they partied over Christmas and met with their family and we're getting a lot of COVID news towards the end of this week uh, so I mean, we're just trying to adjust and do what we can. Did you
1: call him Red Ass Mike
2: Zimmer? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Who is redder, him or uh, Tom Coughlin? <laughs> I
2: mean, it, I mean, he, he, Zimmer doesn't need the wind, man. He doesn't need the wind burn. Yes. <laughs> uh, he has like a 25 year old like model girlfriend though. Uh, so Does Zoom's he? doing it. Zoom's doing it right, man. If you ever out there, you know, Google Mike Zimmer's girlfriend. Uh, I know. just might.
1: Yeah, I think mean, I he's, will.
2: He, he's living life. He is. He is on the uh, the Adam Levitan uh, team. Sex for sure.
1: I love it. He probably got in on <laughs> Bitcoin at like $10. If he... <laughs> <laughs> Alex, um, we're going to go game by game with a couple of, not all of them. That would be preposterous. Actually tomorrow, you and I with Ben Rosso <laughs> will be doing that. And uh, I can assure you, it's not something I'm looking forward to, but uh, we're going to go game by game with some of the important ones where, you know, as Rich pointed out, you have a couple games where nobody has any playoff implications, but, they also don't have any, any reason to lose the game either. Other teams have reasons to lose. Other teams have reasons to sit players. So um, we're going to hit on games specifically, and then we'll get into the weeds with some sp- individual spots, maybe the saints backfield uh, and, and a couple others that uh, have some pretty big implications on the slate in general, but you know, coming from you as the number one ranked DFS player out there, What are you doing to approach such a monstrous slate like this? And are you ruling teams out? Are you fading games or fading teams entirely? Or are you just letting the process do that for you?
0: Yeah, I think that is going to be an interesting question. Um, Like, for the most part, almost every team has something to play for. The one team I've kind of pegged as being an exception to that is the Bills. Um, But they haven't ruled anyone out either, so... There's a potential Josh Allen starts and then Mark Matt Barkley comes in like pretty early in the game preseason style. I just don't know if anyone in that game on, on Buffalo's side will get enough workload to play, aside from perhaps TJ Yeldon as the third string running back, but that's kind of the approach I'm I'm taking where maybe Xing off some guys uh, that may be in spots where we're not really sure what's gonna happen.
1: How hard is it for you to project? Like, how hard is it for you to do your pro- player projections on a slate like this?
0: Yeah, that's a, a good question. Um, it, it's uh, tougher because we have to kind of make some educated guesses. So, right. for these Bills guys, I—I I mean, I saw a report that they're not expected to play more than one quarter. So, I mean, I kind of like changed the, the playing time metrics that I use. Um, so, it wasn't too tough. But then. TJ Yeldon's like popping as a good play as a result of that. And I have no confidence in TJ Yeldon being a good DFS play. So that's like the challenge is like, what does this mean for the other guys on the team?
1: For sure. Yeah. It's all, it almost has a preseason feel to some extent where you're relying more on, you know, reports and coach speak than you are on actual stats and, and sample sizes throughout the season. But all right, enough of the pleasantries, Rich, let's dive into it with a game that I think for one reason or another, all of us are a little bit excited about, Tennessee at Houston, 56-point total. It's a fun game because Tennessee has playoff implications here. But on the other side, Houston traded away every first-round pick to 2050, and now Miami's got their pick regardless after that Tunsil trade. So they don't really have any reason not to try to win this game either. Um, and I don't know, is is Cornell looking to take over a head coaching job like, um, like um, Raheem – what's his name? How did I just Raheem blank Morris. on his name? Raheem Moore uh, – What is his name? Morris? Reggie Morris. Thank you. I had in my notes, I wrote Reggie Mostert, and that's not right. (laughs) But uh, let's kick it off. Let's kick it off with the Tennessee side of the ball. It doesn't look like Henry's going to get to the 2K mark. Valiant effort, huge season, not a pass catching back, but I'm having so much trouble getting away from him here because it feels like a spot against Houston, who's allowed the second most rushing yards per game on the year, that he could absolutely go nuclear. What are you doing with Tennessee, Rich? Yeah, and as it, as it
2: pertains to Henry, as opposed to a typical week where he's been priced up all season, is there's just not a lot of top-shelf running backs that we need to, that like that we would pivot off of him for, and we have so many cheap guys in play that he's not hard to fit in either. Uh, he's going against the Houston defense that's allowed the most explosive rushing yards, yards on carries of 10 or more yards in the NFL this season, by over 200 yards, and who leaves the NFL on explosive rushing yards himself, uh, Mr. Derrick Henry. He's, I will not know if we could completely rule out that he, like 2K is in, with not within grass. I mean, he's, Oh, okay. See where you're I mean, going. <laughs> he's 223 short. The last two times he's faced Houston, he's had what 211 and 264 total yards, not rushing yards. I think the interesting thing that I always find with Derrick Henry though is that if you look at Derrick Henry's huge games in fantasy, you would think there would be a negative correlation into the uh, Ryan Tannehill's performance. And that's really not true. If you look a lot at these games where Derek Henry's rushing for 200 yards or he's having 30 fantasy points himself, Ryan Tannehill is having big games himself as well uh, because he's a guy that's always thrived on, since he's been with the Titans, that is, and not with Adam Gase, has thrived on efficiency over value. And he's been going along for the ride, which is something we really wouldn't, take we would say hey we got this 10k running back doesn't catch why he's going to run the ball a bunch his quarterback's not going to be good because of this and that's not really never the case with brian Tannehill. even when these teams played in week six derrick henry is 264 total yards he's got a couple touchdowns Brian Tannehill still has 30 fantasy points he throws four touchdowns still um that's the other fun thing about this game is these teams have historically played in shootouts and both these defenses are just just trash and you see that with the game total showing uh the average titans game averaged 57 combined points this season anyways as well so there's a lot of upside here and we've seen since Wolf fuller has been out deshaun watson has been able to punch back you know averaging over nine yards or pass attempt uh, the past month, even with Will Fuller out. So, I mean, there is an opportunity here for Houston to still put up points and this game to kind of reach that game total and have a lot of back-and-forth production, which there are not a lot we can really signal on this slate. Uh, so, I think everyone is going to start here, like you said.
1: Yeah, no question. And, and Alex, it's something I've stressed all year long, too. Hey, Brian Tannehill is still a quarterback that can put up astronomical fantasy totals from game to game he's eighth in fantasy scoring this season at his position which given a, a team with a running back that as rich put might actually eclipse two thousand yards it's improbable but it's possible the fact that he's eighth in fantasy scoring doesn't only suggest that he's been good uh, but also that their defense has been so bad that they've had to find ways to score pretty much you know in all facets of the offense how are you approaching the tennessee titans
0: yeah, this one is very interesting because the Titans play at or 425 p.m. Uh, and if Miami or Baltimore loses in the 12 p.m. set of games, then the Titans will clinch their playoff spot. But um, the seeding is going to be somewhat important here because if the Titans win, they'll be the four seed, which will play – um, one of Miami, Baltimore, Cleveland, or Indianapolis instead of going up against the Bills or Steelers. So I'm trying to read all this. I guess like the game most likely will have some value, but not a ton, which does kind of shake my confidence a little bit in the Titans kind of stud players. But, I mean, it's going to be contingent on the results of these 12 p.m. games. So let me throw this to, to you guys. So do, you, do you feel like... If the Titans are clinched before kickoff, will that change their plans at all?
1: Yeah, great question. Go ahead, Rich.
2: I mean, you would have to assume it def- definitely plays into uh, the thought process if the – what do they need the Dolphins, the Colts, or the Ravens to lose one of those three teams – Um, I doubt the Ravens and Colts outright lose, even if you believe the other two opponents can cover those, those giant lines. Those are the two heaviest favorites on the slate. The Dolphins bills is the wild card because like Alex said to open, you know, what are we going to see from the bills? Is it going to be, do they, do they play a drive? Do they play a quarter? Do they play a half? Uh, Do they look at the Steelers game and maybe somehow the Steelers are up because the Browns haven't practiced all week because of COVID. Uh, Maybe they have to do some scoreboard scoreboard watching there. But I would definitely say if the Titans come into the game already locked into the playoffs, it would have to have an impact on some of their thought process. I don't see how it would not have, uh, you know, an impact, especially when you have, uh, you know, a guy that's had, uh, you know, 800 touches the past 17 months of football. You know, uh, I mean, all that stuff would have to come in if they are locked in. Um, interesting that they did move this one, that this is not at one o'clock with some of those other games,
1: Alex, how you bring up some good points here. Both of you guys, so much can change not only, you know, from today till tomorrow at lock, but from one o'clock to four o'clock. Um, and you know, that's obviously one of the reasons that you'll see all of these games at the same t- or on the same day, uh, and no Thursday night, no Monday night, because they're supposed to be some intrigue as far as the clinching goes and and not having useless games being played throughout the rest of the week but are you setting anything in place or uh, for late swap purposes like let's say you have derrick henry a lot of derrick henry um and four o'clock rolls around and they've clinched the 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 alternatives here are, are kind of difficult if you put them in the flex spot you could get uh Devontae Adams in there so that's good there's a few other places that you could go um that that would work but Dalvin Cook's out uh, Christian McCaffrey's not going to play Alvin Kamara isn't going to play I don't know what I, I don't think Kelsey's going to play and if he does he doesn't play much at all I, there aren't a lot of swaps available if you're playing a guy that's north of nine thousand dollars unless you're going way cheaper
0: Yeah, this one's interesting. Like, yeah, I like the Devontae Adams swap, as you mentioned, because Green Bay, they have to win this game to get the bye. So I think we feel very confident about Devontae Adams this week. I do kind of, uh, building off Rich's thought process there, I think there's a decent chance that if Tennessee is clinched, we're seeing more like 20 rushing attempts from Henry instead of 25, which would kind of make him less of a priority. So, the, the tricky part, though, is we have so much value this week opening up, especially with Ty Montgomery being like the only running back in New Orleans, aside from the practice squad guys. So it's easy to fit these guys in. I guess this would just make me lean a little bit more towards Devontae Adams over Derrick Henry.
1: Okay. Uh, Rich, just same thoughts on that. I don't want to spend you know all show on this type of stuff. I want to get to the plays. But as far as late swapping goes for some of these situations, is it something you're taking into consideration?
2: Yeah, I think you have to, uh, especially on this slate as it moves. And, you know, there's a couple spots we still don't know, like the Malcolm Brown situation. It sounds like McVeigh's going to give Cam Akers as much time as possible to potentially be available. So we likely on Sunday won't even know until, you know, three o'clock Eastern whether or not Cam Akers is even playing or not. Uh, in that game which would only leave you know Malcolm Brown as the lone you know guy in the backfield with John Walford and this you know the Walford of Wall Street uh, in that (laughs) offense but uh, you know so that's going to be something people are going to have to earmark uh, and kind of see what's going on but especially with a guy that's what 9k and 10k on both sites uh, it's going to probably be a a situation where you're doing multiple swaps it's not going to be probably a direct swap out whether that be like taking on more Jonathan Taylor at four o'clock than you initially would have uh, you know swap and, and doing like a double swap that maybe you go up to you can get up to Devonte Adams and go down to Jonathan Taylor uh, whether it be like you had a guy like Mike Williams in your lineup uh, you know in the late slate um, or, or some other wide receivers uh, DK Metcalf uh, some other guys that have high ceilings um, and high target potential in those late games it, it's probably going to be like a flex and another spot or a running back wide receiver double swap uh, where you have to go down to a running back that has a high ceiling, like a Jonathan Taylor um, or even an Austin Eckler who doesn't, I don't believe has that kind of upside just because he is, he doesn't have a touchdown equity uh, involved, but it's going to be tricky to watch because that, that Buffalo, the, that Buffalo Miami game is the one that's the, that's the, the game. Yep. That's like the re- that's the wrench in this whole, this whole, the the, the cog in the wheel here. It's, it's kind of what happens in that game.
1: And you know, it's going to end up happening. Baltimore's going to end up losing the Cincy or something. And, <laughs> and Miami ends up blowing Buffalo. Weird stuff like that always happens in week 17. But uh, let me stick with you for here for a minute, Rich. The, the Houston side, again, they don't have anything to play for, but they don't have a reason to lose either, which is kind of important. David Johnson's been on a tear lately, whether it's through the air or on the ground. Uh, Brandon, or sorry, Will Fuller, I was right the first time. Brandon Cooks uh, coming off a big game. He's been without.
2: With the Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
2: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Root. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Fuller for a while. You have Kike QT and a few other options in this offense. If we like Tennessee, and I think all of us do, despite some reservations about what could happen at the four o'clock hour, what are our thoughts on Houston?
2: Yeah, I mean, we talked about Deshaun Watson a little bit, just how well he's played. And he they've already confirmed that he is going to play. He gets shaken up at the end of last week's game. Uh, the wide receivers, you know, Brandon Cooks, as I mean, he's still just getting the, this large target share, uh, you know, since, you know, even before prior to Will Fuller, you know, was injured. I mean, he has what uh, he had just a second hundred yard game last week. Uh, But he's had just one game, you know, outside of the top 30 scores since week nine at his position. His floor has been extremely high in full PPR formats the entire season. Tennessee is 30th in points allowed to opposing wide receiver ones, uh, 18.3 PPR points per game, 11 touchdowns uh, to opposing wide receiver ones, which is 30th in the league. They've had a lot of trouble, you know, defending high, high, volume wide receiver ones. Kiki QT is still involved in the red zone. He's not a guy that's getting a lot of targets. If you look at his, uh, you know, targets, I mean, he had nine, the first game, against the Colts, but then three, seven, five, uh, not a lot of huge upside, but he's had a a safe floor and he's really involved in the red zone. I mean, 27% of his targets are in the red zone. So there is some scoring potential equity there. Um, I just think, yeah, if you're going to run it back, I think you'd you'd probably run it back with Watson and cooks. uh, You know, if you're going to play Derrick Henry and if, Um, and if you're going to play the wide receivers, I mean, maybe you run it back with David Johnson, but David Johnson's not going to, I mean, I've already hashed out my running back pool and I don't know how many running backs you guys typically play just with the amount of volume running backs there are this week. David Johnson just didn't make the cut, which talk me into it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you guys have a different angle, and tell me how wrong I am about maybe I need to get David Johnson involved here.
1: He is getting up there in salary, Alex. One cool thing about this game though, is when you have 15 games on the slate, this game on a 10-game slate would be mega chalk. While it's chalky, the only guy really coming in above 10 or 11% is Derrick Henry. And and that goes for both sides of the game. So what are you doing here with Houston?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Houston's a good team to target. They, of course, were uh, one of the winning stacks last week. So we saw that potential. Tennessee's defense is about average, so we should be able to – to get that kind of upside with Houston, Brandon Cooks being a main target. And David Johnson, as you guys are saying, there's a lot of better plays objectively at running back, but his workload is solid. We'll keep an eye on if Duke Johnson plays this week because that, I mean, it's not a huge factor, but they do use him a little bit more than some of the uh, third string guys. But I think David Johnson should be in the
1: mix. Okay, so Alex, top plays from this game
0: um probably henry um pending that the 12 p.m games um and then brandon cooks
1: and who are your top plays from this one rich i like the 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 tennessee passing stack
2: i mean anytime that derrick Henry's ever popular i like to, to to be a goon and i think i think when i was on the show the first time it was week two or three and they played the jaguars maybe and it was the week maybe he didn't hit, and we were talking about the passing stack as leverage. Just any time Derrick Henry, and Derrick Henry can still get his, but uh, love A.J. Brown, love Corey Davis is upside with Tannehill uh, as just direct leverage uh, yeah. off of Derrick Henry.
1: Four touchdowns for Tannehill that game, 26 fantasy points. He's had games of 30, 34, uh, 31, 37. And as we saw, the man can run a little bit too. So I'm with you on that. Uh, Alex let's go on to another high well projected high scoring game 53 and a half point total rich actually alluded to it at the top of the show Minnesota at the Detroit Lions Matthew Stafford's a warrior say whatever you want about the guy this dude it's week 17 they have nothing to play for and he's saying I want to be out there I'm going to be out there got 18 fractured ribs probably a broken fibia. I, I, banged up thumb doesn't matter he's playing (laughs) uh that doesn't mean good things for detroit by any means kenny galladay has been out forever now um but we we do have what is the second highest projected total on the slate 53 and a half start on whichever side let's start with detroit because we're gonna have to get into the dalvin cook thing in a minute so what are you doing with the the lions
0: the Lions are are, are fine a fine target this week. Uh, we did see Matthew Stafford exit the game like extremely early last week. I mean, that's always a concern um, given they don't have anything to play for. But I don't think he's like really a priority to begin with. Although Minnesota's defense isn't anything special, the guy I'd be honing in on is two guys: T.J. Hawkinson, who is getting the workload uh, at tight end, and uh, the price has gone down this week, so I think he's a pretty good play. And then DeAndre Swift, who coming off that injury, uh, should be seeing his workload kind of go up to where it was um, earlier in the season. Last week, he got 77% of the rushing attempts for Detroit, so I think um, he's a pretty solid guy to look at this week.
2: How about you, Rich. Yeah, the Detroit side is, is pretty interesting. Stafford hasn't made it through a full game in the last three weeks. Uh, you know, even the, the, you know, the Titans game a couple weeks ago, he came out at the very end when they kind of were out of it. Yeah, much props to Stafford, you know, for still going. But uh, I think we're down to pretty much the, the three guys on the Detroit side are pretty easy. It's Hawkinson, Marvin Jones, if you want to ride the Marvin coaster. Uh, and then, you know, DeAndre Swift, you know, you look at this, it's, you know, it looked pretty ominous for DeAndre Swift that a lot of people thought he was going to get shut down. He had the, you know, concussion and was cleared by the neurologist, but said he was still feeling symptoms. And like, that was, that's always scary when you hear that, but it's come back the past three weeks. He's had 44 of the 64 backfield touches for the lions. Uh, the great thing about DeAndre Swift is he, is he has receiving equity. I mean, he has, what at least three receptions and 11 of his 12 games played is at least four more in four of his past five games. Uh, we know the Minnesota defense really isn't anything special either. They're lying 146 yards per game to opposing backfields that's 26th in the league uh so i mean deandre swift is uh, one of those mid-price guys that maybe a lot of people just overlook this week uh because either people are going to play at the top or just play a bunch of these cheapies uh that we've had open it up but he's one of those mid-tier guys that may go overlooked um that can play throughout any type of game script as we've seen against tennessee a couple weeks ago as well
1: all right now it's time to start having some fun alex the minnesota side of the ball And by the way, there's nothing fun about Dalvin Cook's situation. My heart hurts for him. Mm -hmm. I've been through something similar in the past couple of years. It truly sucks. But we're here to talk about fantasy football and the implications. And Alexander Madison uh, does not have an injury designation heading into this game. The question is, for someone that's been dealing with that concussion, does he come back at full capacity? Or do we see a combination of him, Abdullah, and Mike Boone? And should we be really locking into this passing game with ownership right now that, last I looked, doesn't seem to be extraordinarily high. Um, Irv Smith is up there. I guess Justin Jefferson's kind of uh, up high-owned as well, so I'm a little bit wrong there. What are, we, what are your thoughts on Minnesota?
0: Well, I think uh, Madison's a good play, but we saw earlier in the season that game that Dalvin Cook was out that he doesn't have that same workload uh, as Dalvin Cook does. In that game they fall
1: behind very early in that game, though? I can't remember. Yeah, they, they were down yeah.
2: 20 to nothing at the half, I believe.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, so um, they were down. He had 10 rushing attempts. The rest of the running backs only had three, so that ratio was pretty good for Madison. But uh, as far as routes, Amir Abdullah really uh, saw his number of uh, routes increase a lot with Dalvin Cook out. Well, Madison's were solid, Uh, he was out there on a good amount of pass plays. But uh, Mike Boone also had playing time in that game. So I think uh, a very good play, particularly on FanDuel, where his price didn't go up, but not quite a the bubble.
1: Okay. If it wasn't Week 17, Rich, I'd be loving Madison. And and I still like him because, well, I, I still think he's good enough as a backup. But if you remember... In that week against Atlanta, I think it was, that Dalvin Cook was out, DraftKings priced Madison at like 7600 yeah. or something egregious, and he was still one of the chalkiest running backs on the slate. He was, he was $7,200.
2: Yeah, and uh, they bumped him up again this week, or at least we're ahead of it. I couldn't remember if he stayed there, but 6,100 on DraftKings versus 5 flat on FanDuel is a pretty
1: big discrepancy. They're boosting uh, all of the running backs ever since that Mike Davis debacle. So I think his backup's (laughs) around 58 to 6K now. Yeah, so I mean,
2: it, it does make him a little less appealing, but maybe also opens up more of a leverage spot on DraftKings versus FanDuel because I think his ownership should be higher at 5K. And I think that just is really obvious to get there. And I think a lot of people will be turned off based on that performance midseason against Atlanta where they trail early. I I still don't think he's going to work passing downs. I still think Amir Abdullah will be the passing down back. Uh, They've kind of done that with Dalvin Cook out. Uh, They did it, you know, kind of last week too. He filled in when at the end of the game, remember they kind of sat Dalvin Cook towards the end of that game. Uh, when it got out of hand and um, so I think we'll see Abdul still play passing downs Mike Boone will be worked in the thing about Madison is though is that since week nine I and mean, he had an appendectomy and a concussion he hasn't played more than 12 snaps in any game since week nine like I, I think it's hard to really just jump and say after all he's gone through like they're just going to give him 20 touches like it doesn't really just add up um, so I mean that's more narrative based but I mean at, w- like what's the incentive to like really run him into the game ground after he's done been through all this stuff the concussion especially which he didn't play last week due to it so that makes it a little sketchy and a little harder to play like i said 5k though like it's hard to not have him in your pool at 5k uh maybe at 61 but i mean how do you just not look at this passing game and be excited how have you not watched the lions the past month and just been like yeah we're just gonna keep <laughs> playing dudes against they've them. given up I mean, they've quit. I mean, Tom Brady last week didn't even play. He played the first half and was the QB one in fantasy <laughs> scoring all the way until Josh Allen played on Monday night in a half of football. The past five weeks, they've allowed 10.2 yards per pass attempt. They've allowed four different quarterbacks, with the only exception being Mitchell Trubisky, to be top five fantasy scores that week. They just don't. They don't rush the passer on any level. Uh, they don't, and they don't cause any turnovers. And they're just not stopping anybody. It's, I mean, and then you've got this narrative too with Justin Jefferson. You know, he's 46 yards shy of the the record Randy Moss set, their team record for receiving yards in a season by a rookie receiver. He's 110 shy of Anquan Bolden's record uh, for a rookie wide receiver so i mean that's attainable uh since the 1970 merger and this lions team we talk about them through the air it's just they've just been giving up buckets of points to wide receivers i mean they've a lot of elite they're now allowing a league high 2.1 ppr points per target to opposing wide receivers so i mean this passing game i mean feels like the safest like lane here especially with justin jefferson chasing some of these records that kind of get involved and the problem always with these vikings guys though is they haven't been cheap for a long time, you know, Thielen and Jefferson, they've been, they, it's hard to play them both together. Uh, the, the way the pricing has always shaked out all year. Um, but yeah, it's hard to not like those guys, especially if you want to fit Irvin, like a lot of people do because uh, Rudolph has already been declared out and he's just racking up all these snaps and targets now.
1: Yeah. Uh, Alex, really same thing to you here, Minnesota. Uh, I just assumed that they would be a little bit lower owned because of what Rich mentioned is, They're expensive, right? Jefferson's expensive. Adam Thielen's pretty expensive. Madison coming off of a pretty extensive hiatus is is relatively expensive. But guess what? They're all getting pretty considerable ownership. But what a lovely spot this is against this Detroit secondary.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, Minnesota's been one of the best fantasy teams all year long just because of how concentrated the production is. And uh, this week's no exception also to like the Justin Jefferson chasing the record call. That that sounds like a good one to, to put in some lineups.
1: All right, Alex, sticking with you here, we've got the uh, Las Vegas Raiders and Denver Broncos earlier in the year. You'd look at this and see a 51 point 51 and a half point total. It'd be a little bit shocking to you, but uh, the Raiders defense has been an absolute sieve and Well, Denver has nothing to play for, although we are in a position where maybe Drew Locke goes out there and just starts gunning, saying, it looks like I'm probably not coming back next season. Maybe he will. I don't know. He hasn't exactly proven a ton this year. He's he's battled with a lot of injuries to his players, whether it's been Noah Fant. Um, He was injured for a while. A lot of them are hurt. K.J. Hamler's out this week. Do you see this total at 51 and a half and and, and view this as a game that is uh, really worth uh, honing in on?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I like the potential here. Um, both teams do run the ball quite a bit, so I, I'm not as huge on the stacks, but I think that there, there's some good options for sure. Melvin Gordon being one of the better ones yeah. at the running back position. With uh, Phil Lindsay continuing to be out, we've seen him get a huge workload, so that makes a ton of sense. Uh, the other guy out on Denver is KJ Hamler, so maybe taking some shots on the the wideouts to get a tiny bump from that. Um, And then on Vegas, I mean, you'd think Kittle, but his price is way up there this week. So I'm kind of – sorry, did I say Kittle? Waller. Yeah, Kittle's the guy I'm I'm kind of looking at at tight end um, with the price discrepancy there. So I think that uh, Waller is a great play, but they kind of priced him really high up for a tight end.
1: And the crazy thing too, Rich, about this Denver team is – like, if you did stack them and say this does evolve into a shootout, you can pretty much just load your, your lineup with any other player you want. That's a bit hyperbolic, but they're cheap, right? And um, I guess the question is whether you want to go that route, whether you want to go Melvin Gordon route, uh, or whether you just don't want much of this one. What are you doing? Yeah. I mean, I think if th- that Melvin Gordon is squarely
2: in play as like a core play or a cash game play. If you, if you want, I think it, like, it's, it's very easy to find the projectable workload for him uh, the matchup and he's played well too. It's not even like Melvin Gordon is just cause Lindsay's out. I mean, he's actually played really well, like the past six weeks, uh, past four weeks, he's averaging over six yards per carry too. So it's not like we even really have to stretch ourselves like thin and making Melvin Gordon just a objectively like solid play. It uh, just depends on where how you want to allot your running backs this week. But he's another one of those guys right in the middle, uh, easy to fit in. We know the, the, how many touches he's going to get. He had 16 to 24 backfield touches last week. Uh, and then the game script might be a little more favorable here, and the matchup is better as well. I do like kind of the, 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 the passing game side just because they, these are two teams that will run the ball if they want. So if you're going to get cute and do tournament stacks, I do like either both sides. Derek Carr has been played really well this year for as much as we all bag at Derek Carr. I mean, he's been, he's been a top 10 fantasy scorer in four of his past five full games. Crazy. He's over 300, 300 yards in his past three games. He's played well. Uh, And this Denver secondary is still just missing so many cornerbacks. I mean, they have lost five cornerbacks uh, over the past four weeks. They're really limping in with just the, you know, we talk about these cluster injuries uh, and just when like a a one particular unit, like an offensive line or defensive line or secondary just gets gutted at one time, the Broncos have been one of those teams. Their secondary is just, they're just missing so many people, uh, which maybe, you know, you, you, you can run that back and keep just playing a guy like Nelson Aguilar. I mean the year 2020 can just be described as Nelson Aguilar season. Like you can just it it covers the ground of all of 2020. Uh the fact that this guy has just broken out and basically been like Deshaun Jackson this year. Uh oh dude he's just day.
1: come on yeah. I hate, I can't I
2: can't hear that. <laughs> I mean, he's, I mean, what are you going to do, man? I mean, he has four more catches in at least six straight games. Uh, you know, he's got 21% team target share uh, over that span after he had just 10%. Because the beginning of the year, it was like, he keeps scoring and finding a way, and he's not getting these targets. Now they're just jamming him with targets, like the, you know, the past seven games. Um, and then I think the runback side is interesting, too, because we just watched, if anyone watched that Broncos game last week, Jerry Judy might've played the worst game. Like I've ever seen a wide receiver play with like, with with my set of eyes, he had five drops, but guess what? It's the same thing with Deontay Johnson and people keep focusing in. He had 15 targets still. You don't know why he kept getting, getting the ball. It's because he kept getting open. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I mean, he's in another great spot here. KJ Hamler's out. Um, He just consistently gets more targets. I know a lot of people like Tim Patrick's been the better Bronco to play from a result stance, but Tim Patrick is like Robert Tunyon. Like he's, he look at his targets. He's getting four or five targets per game and he's either turning them into touchdowns or he's having like a long catch. Uh, Tim Patrick only has more than four catches twice all season. He just keeps finding a way there. He's like that guy. Uh, But he never really projects out like strongly because he doesn't get a lot of targets really ever. It just keeps making them happen. So, I mean, coming off, no one's going to want to play Judy after the game he had last week. Uh, but it's a really good spot for him uh, to kind of sustain his target level and hopefully secure a couple of those pa- passes this week.
1: Yeah, really. For me, Alex, and I agree with both of you guys. The run game is pretty appealing here, but the if, if you're stacking the passing game, it's just one of the probably it's got to be one of the cheapest stacks out there that actually has a, a decent ceiling. Uh, are you are you looking to to get any stacks in here? Whether it's You know, like Locke, Fant, and Judy, who had a 32% target share last week with some Waller. Uh, I know you mentioned that that George Kittle seems to be the guy you're looking at more, but uh, just all in all, in your order of, like, priority, is this game one of them uh, through the air or mostly just on the ground?
0: I really do prefer those teams that that have a higher rate of passing. Uh, And you can find my my rankings on the advanced stats page, but – More than once, actually.
2: Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Both Denver and Vegas are around 45% rushing the ball at neutral game scripts, so... If I'm looking for my stack, I'm looking for a team that's going to be chucking it. Uh, Some other teams this week, I mean, Chicago, I guess Trubisky and and Co might be getting the price up, but they they throw it uh, a ton of times and it's kind of a value stack uh, among others. So uh, the Chargers are another team that's just been chucking the ball a ton. Um, So... Uh, those are the t- kind, of, kind of teams uh, I'm looking to stack is just uh, the teams that uh, have very high passing volume.
1: If you guys haven't checked it out yet, we have two incredible uh, start of the new year promotions going on at Osimo, and I think you will love them. The first one, very simple. Use that promo code 2021, two, zero, two, one, and get 21 days, three weeks for $20 Not just, not of NFL, not of NBA, not of PGA or I don't even think PGA is happening right now. But of all of our sports, Osimo Plus, Platinum, you're getting everything included for $20 for three weeks. It's a fantastic deal. And really, it's one. these are probably the last two promos that we're going to have for a little while now because we did a lot of them leading up through the holidays and everything like that. So get in on it if you haven't tried any of the other ones yet. You're getting uh, Alex Baker right here. Osimo's number one ranked player for a reason. These are his tools. He has built them. He uses them himself. We don't just throw his name on them the ownership projections, player projections, the boom bus tool, the top stack tool, the lineup builder, which is particularly useful for you guys Did are hand builders, single entry, three max, that good stuff. Uh, and so much more, all of the tools you can check it all out at awesome.com slash promos. Is that right? Jordan. It's no longer slash join the So awesome.com slash promos use 2021, get three full weeks for $20 of everything on the site. And if you're looking for a, more of a long-term commitment, right, you, you like what we do here, um, you, you think it can help you, you want to be able to take your game to the next level by using more advanced tools for DFS, the promo code HAPPY, H-A-P-P-Y, gets you 20% off a full year of Awesome o Plus Platinum. So commitment is for a year, 20% off the top. It's a massive discount, and it's the last, I think it's the last first and only one we're going to be doing all year for, uh, for annual passes. So 2021 gets you 21 days, three weeks for $20, everything on the site. Happy gets you 20% off the entire year, which you can add Fantasy Cruncher to that second one as well. Check it out at awesome.com slash promos. And if you have any questions, hit me up on Twitter at Lafayette underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D, and I'll be happy to help you out. All right. Um, Rich, Jacksonville and Indianapolis, 49-point total but I can assure you this is not because we have a projected shootout on our hands. The Colts are 14 and a half point favorites. Jacksonville will be without DJ shark. They'll be without, there's a Colin Johnson, James Robinson. They're extraordinarily shorthanded on the other side. Is this a spot for you, because I could see it going this way, that they just run the ball down Jacksonville's throats and Jonathan Taylor has a monster game to close out the year? Or do you have some interest in guys like T.Y. Hilton or Michael Pittman or some of these tertiary options for the Colts? I mean, definitely uh, you have to be interested in Jonathan
2: Taylor. Anytime we get a what a, a home 14-point favorite, it's just a spot we always look at a running back anyways. Not only is he a home 14-point favorite, he's – you know, facing a Jaguars defense that has allowed 203 yards from scrimmage per game to opposing backfields the past five games, seven touchdowns in the backfields, uh, and four top eight individual scores over that span. So everything kind of lines up. It's pretty obvious spot for him. I am still definitely interested in a guy like T.Y. Hilton, especially at his price. Uh, he had just the three catches for 60 yards last week against the Steelers, but still 24% of the team targets. He's now had four straight games, over 20% of the team targets uh, since week nine. So the Jaguars are another one of those teams that they had, uh, you know, cluster injuries on the back end, you know, CJ Henderson went out for the year. DJ Henderson, or DJ Hayden went out for the year. Uh, they did get Sidney Jones back. but he had Achilles injuries, just never been the same since. And they've just been getting flambéed by lead wide receivers since week nine on the average wide receiver one line against the Jaguars is seven and a half catches For 99.6 yards, the fewest amount of PPR points a wide receiver one has had over that span is just 14 and a half by Kenny Galladay. And over the past five weeks, Four of the five wide receiver ones they faced have gone over 20 fantasy points against them with just Marquise Brown being the exception who still had six for 95 in that game. So I still think while they're in neutral game script uh, the passing game is still definitely in play. Unfortunately, you know, a guy like Rivers who's been really solid this year just doesn't offer the kind of the, the rushing equity we want, you know, for to have a high ceiling Rivers kind of gets to you, like he can get to that 20 points, maybe get you the bonus, uh, on DK, but like he's never a guy that's really going to knock on the door of a thirty-point game, and the, and with the Jaguars probably potentially not being able to clap back here, probably not going to get that from him as well. But definitely, I believe Ty Hilton is definitely in play here uh, at his price range.
1: Alex, uh, I don't know if it's going to be Dari Ogumboale, if it's going to be Lavisca Chenault. People are right now in our in the super chat are talking about that. I, I guess there's a, a variety of ways you can attack Jacksonville, but. I'm a little bit concerned getting to them at all. The cold side to me seems a little bit more appealing, and Jonathan Taylor being one of those options uh to lead the pack here. Are you in on both sides of this game?
0: Yeah, I'm kind of interested. on uh, Jacksonville, Dari, Ogun He did get a large majority of the rushing attempts last week. Um he had 14 to Divine Ozig one. So that's uh, a very good sign that if Jacksonville does overperform, Ogden I could have a big day. And he also saw a majority of the, the routes at the running back position. So not the most exciting player because we got other 4K guys that that are in play, but certainly a decent one. But uh, the, the main target in this game, I have to say, is Jonathan Taylor just because He's been getting a huge workload and they're big favorites. Um, so he's going to be one of those guys, Given the Colts need a win this week that you can feel comfortable paying up for.
1: Okay. Um, who are your top options from this one, Alex? I want to key in on some of this stuff just because there are a lot of games we have that that we won't be talking about. So uh, top options from this one?
0: So Taylor um, and uh, Ogden Vole.
2: And what about you, Rich? Yeah. I mean, I still like Hilton. Obviously Taylor is, I just think that's easy to to lay out that case. I like Hilton. And then uh, I like, if you want to get cute, LaVisca Chenault, I think is in play too, as well. Just the amount of wide receiver injuries they had and the amount of targets he's had, but another guy that probably doesn't have the kind of ceiling that you kind of really want to want to have faith in.
1: Rich, what are we doing with Tampa Bay and Atlanta with Tom Brady? Uh, You mentioned he, he didn't even play a lot of that game uh, last week. And I guess the problem is you have a high total here. You have a lot of question marks. Um, Brady played what half of the game on, on Saturday night football. And then they still came in and and ran through Detroit. Do we have any concerns that we could see a similar situation play out this week? I know Mike Evans is looking to get to a thousand yards, but he only needs 40 yards. So that's a little bit concerning. Ronald Jones appears to be back. Uh, Leonard Fournette appears to be okay as well. I'm, I'm a little bit worried trying to figure out which direction to take on a Bucks team that looks healthy, but doesn't, I, I don't know how to approach them because there's not a ton of wiggle room outside of what are they maybe jockeying to move up one playoff seat or so? Well, they want, yeah, it's a game
2: I always struggle with too because Bruce Aaron said that they're going to play all out. Um, they're the number five seed right now. And that's where obviously they want to stay because the number five seed in the NFC plays the NFC East. Right, winner, uh, whichever it wants, but they can still get that seed if the Rams, uh, you know, if the Rams lose too. So, if the Rams lose with John Walford and uh, some no Cooper Cup and no Darrell Henderson, potentially no Cam Akers, if they lose, then the Bucks are still are still there. So, I mean, they could still hold on to that five seed, uh, even with it. So, I mean, it could be a, that could be a situation in game where Bucks guys come out as the game progresses. I've had a lot of trouble with trying to just figure it out. Uh, because Plus one, it's Bruce Arians too, and you know he, he's never steered us wrong before, right? Uh, <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> uh, so I mean, I do struggle, and then the Buccaneers are are, are generally even in, when we're all in on the Buccaneers on a regular slate. They're a tricky team, anyways, because of the distribution, like the. They only at least we know where the touchdowns usually go. They typically go to Gronk and Evans, which is fine, but like the target distribution is still all over the place, kind of for them. Uh, and we've seen they all scored a touchdown last week against the Lions, all three receivers, and Gronk gets two. Uh, the week before, Brady throws for 390, and you know, Godwin and Anton- Antonio Brown has his first touchdown. Uh, of the season with the bucks he has the, the 50 or 43 yard touchdown Evans goes over 100 yards they're just a tricky team in general even if we're on them to kind of hash out who we really want to play and it's not like really any of those wide receivers are cheap in terms of Evan and Godwin either like it's not like they're super expensive but they're they're always in a part like a, a price range where you're just like do I really want to pay this much for this guy am I going to click the Mike Evans button and have him be have it be a game where he gets you know 50 yards uh they're, they're typically tricky like that. And then the teams did play a shootout a couple weeks ago where the Bucs were losing huge at the half, but the Falcons have been kind of up and down like that. They look, they show up one week, then they don't show up the next. Uh, so, I mean, re- it's just a tricky game in general. The only thing I can say for sure about this game is that, uh, you know, Calvin Ridley is really the, the for sure thing in this game uh, has a chance to backdoor the receiving title uh, in terms of yardage with, you know, probably digs, not playing a full game. Kelsey, it's basically between him and Hopkins if that happens. So Ridley has just been getting jammed with targets without Julio Jones, 11.2 per game without Julio. Um, he's just been ripping hundred yard games every week. So I mean, he's like the one guy in this game that I can say confidently, like I know what I'm going to get out of Calvin Ridley.
1: I'm absolutely in line with you on that. And, and Alex, two weeks ago in that game against this same Atlanta team, eight Tampa Bay players caught the football, yeah, I mean, right? <laughs> All eight of them had at least three receptions. So I, it's so tough to gauge where the – they could score a ton of points, right? And, and we've seen some Bucks onslaughts actually do some pretty heavy damage. Uh, but this one feels a little bit more complicated to me. I really like Ridley. Maybe you want to take some shots on an Evans or, or, or a, a um, Antonio Brown or a Godwin, but uh, it, it feels like Ridley is that one sure thing, at least from a, from a workload standpoint, from a volume perspective – uh, do you have different opinions on this game?
0: Well, I, th- I, uh, I agree that Ridley is a great play. Um, Atlanta is one of my favorite sacks this week because they do have a very high rushing vo- or, uh, passing volume. Uh, Matt and, Ryan's
1: still under six K amazingly.
0: Yeah. And I mean, they're in a game where they're big underdogs too. So that's only going to build well ball for consistently passing the ball a lot. So Ridley and Russell Gage look solid. Um, and then I actually kind of feel in the Tampa Bay stack uh, because the other game that's affecting their seating is at 4 p.m. and they're at 12 p.m. I mean, we could see if they have the game in pocket. We won't see the star players out there. But I do kind of like uh, maybe taking a shot again at Chris Godwin. He's had the best efficiency uh, of the bunch, and he hasn't had as much luck finding the end zone. But to me, that's, uh, maybe as much bad luck as anything else. So I think uh, Godwin and Brady could be the start of the stack for me.
1: Okay. And uh, yeah, Godwin's caught like 60 of his 77 targets this year. He's missed a handful of games. So he's it's, it's sad to see him relegated to a wide receiver three in many days, but you know, you got to do what you can. And he's what? 6,600. It's still kind of a tough price point. Rich, do you like, if we're talking uh, Atlanta stacks, Matt Ryan is obviously the first piece, can't stack him without him. And then uh, Calvin Ridley is along with him, right? They're 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 yeah. uh, they're tied to each other here, you would assume. Is there any interest in Russell Gage or maybe Hayden Hurst here uh, to run a full Atlanta stack against Tampa? I mean,
2: potentially. We seen a couple weeks ago Gage did what score against them. He had what five for 68 in a touchdown. I mean, that's you know, pretty modest uh to kind of get in on. He's had uh Three of his past four games, he's been over 20% of the team targets. So he'd be the one guy. I think Hurst is Hurst is hard to sell yourself a song on just because the the tight end position at totality. And then he just hasn't offered really much of a ceiling. He's kind of been like a really touchdown or bust option uh, in totality. Uh, what his, his 47 yards were his most uh, since week nine last week. It's. I mean, it's just there's not a lot of juice there. I don't think for Hayden Hurst, but uh, if you want to if you want to squint to see it, I think that the you can get there. But it's really, yeah, it just comes down to, to really Ridley. I think Ryan and Ridley can get you there, and if you just run it back with an Evans or, or a Godwin, you can you can go that route.
1: All right, so we got through the games that have high totals here. We're gonna do our top uh, fades and our top pivots off of those fades at the end of the show. And remember, you can check out tomorrow's four-hour marathon Sunday strategy show beginning at 9 a.m. Eastern, going all the way up to lock for anything we didn't hit on or you think we missed. And I'm sure Rich uh, at Lord Reeves on Twitter, by the way, has a ton of content for this slate that you can check out at SharpFootballAnalysis.com as well. Follow him while you're at it. Follow Alex at DFS, myself at Lafay underscore D, and uh, AwesomeO at AwesomeO underscore com while you're over there. So – Alex, let's dive into a couple individual situations, starting with the New Orleans Saints. Don't worry, we didn't forget about this. It's just, you know, (laughs) let's get through the big stuff first and now hit on potentially chalk Ty Montgomery because (laughs) New Orleans will be without all of their running backs tomorrow. It looked like chalk Latavius Murray, and now that's out the window. What in the world are we doing in this spot Uh, against a Carolina team that is certainly no stranger to giving up big games to opposing ball carriers.
0: Yeah, I think the simple answer is just play Tiger Montgomery. Uh, We have Latavius Murray, Kamara, and Dwayne Washington all out for COVID uh, and close contacts. So the only other running back in town is their practice squad player, Tony Jones Jr. And, I mean, this is a game that New Orleans is motivated to win, if they win and um, – excuse me, I'm kind of forgetting the scenarios a little bit, but if they win and the other uh, team at 4 p.m. gets a loss, which is the Packers. The Packers. Yeah, then um, they get the bye. They really need the bye because um, Alvin Kamara, if they're scheduled to play on Saturday next week in the wild card uh, round, will not be eligible to play from what I understand. The first day he could play would be Sunday. So if they end up getting this bye, I mean, I mean the bye is a huge uh, thing to begin with, but they especially need it. Um, so I feel pretty good about uh, Ty Montgomery's chance to, to really dominate the, the backfield just because they're not really worried about his health uh, since some of these other guys will be back in the future, and he's usually inactive. So there's really only green lights for me on Ty Montgomery.
1: Rich, you said, I think it was before the show, that this isn't the first time Ty Montgomery has been a, a chalk running back. I don't believe you could find the exact ownership. Uh, I don't even remember when this was. Maybe you could enlighten me. I'm I just i can't, I'm drawing a blank on Ty Montgomery on that one week. But hey, week 17 and he's your guy, should we be worried that Taysom Hill is going to split the workload with him and, and Ty Montgomery is, is a sucker's pick? Or should we be looking at Ty Montgomery as a legitimate um, top value option for week 17? I think Taysom Hill comes into play on FanDuel
2: for sure. Uh, You know, you don't get the full PPR. Because uh, I think the most alluring part of Tom Montgomery is his pass catching prowess. Obviously, we got lucky too because the amount of in- they've had some injuries at wide receiver, and he was working back out with the wide receivers after being a, in the running back room all year. It saved him, uh you know. And he get the he gets the he wasn't exposed to all those guys that have to sit out. So now he gets to come back. Obviously, has been he's been there all season long, so he's going to know the role. But Taysom probably we should expect Taysom to kind of be the de facto goal back, I guess I would say, uh, which comes into play at FanDuel because you're not getting receptions reception that you want. And he still is only 45, so he's mid price to run back. So I guess you can't remove him from Cleveland board, but he's definitely more appealing for me at 4K on DraftKings because I think you can run him in stacks with Breeze too as well and get the best of both worlds there. Yeah. Uh, because honestly, no one's going to be on Breeze. Uh, think about this. If I would have told you last week that a guy played for a team that scored 50 points, he threw for 300 yards, averaged 12 yards per pass attempt in that game. What, what would you have told me like that quarterback would have finished that week if I would have told you all those things, completed seven At least seven one passes. passing
1: touchdown, I can tell you that much.
2: <laughs> and the, the guy was the QB 30 because they had seven rushing touchdowns. He threw for, 300, he threw for 311 yards, 12 Amazing. yards per pass attempt. <laughs> It was a pretty fluky outcome that he did not have the fantasy points to go with it. He he played excellently in that game, uh, and now we've got this, this this situation where all these running backs are out. They're basically starting a, a guy that was played wide receiver, then was a running back, and they're gonna move back wide receiver and play running back, and then have Taysom Hill. The problem with Breeze is always that Taysom Hill experience as he come out in the red zone. Uh, But I think that Breeze is an interesting pivot here in the passing game in totality as people try to sort this out. And I think that Ty Montgomery can fit in with a stack with Breeze as well. Uh, They had no problems when these teams played in the first matchup throwing to wide receivers. Wide receivers caught 17 of 20 targets for 181 yards when these teams first met. Uh, The backs also had over 200 yards, and uh, Alvin Kamara was involved in the passing game heavily. That's why I think Ty Montgomery offers a lot more appeal on a site like DraftKings. Uh, but definitely breeze was a lot better the last six quarters. And I think people think uh, that he's played since the front half of that chiefs game.
1: Yeah, it's a great point. And I think Alex, what both of you and Rich are saying, and, and I'm in complete agreement with is if this was another team that didn't utilize their running back in the passing game, essentially as an extension of the run, as much as the saints did, I'd be a lot more hesitant to get there, but In no way is Ty Montgomery, Alvin Kamara, in any uh, way, shape, or form. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is he's proven over the years to at least be a capable pass-catching back. And with Latavius Murray also out, Alvin Kamara having a – what does he have? A target share well over 20% on this team this year. To me, it it just screams pass-catching upside, and Ty Montgomery could easily give you, you know, eight receptions where even if he's not particularly efficient – that that seems to really lower or uh, higher his increase, sorry, his floor for tomorrow against Carolina. You would think at least.
0: Definitely. I mean, we know that Drew Brees has a proclivity for checking the ball down. And Ty Montgomery will benefit from that by getting some steady, fancy production, even if he doesn't uh, get in the end zone.
1: What are you doing with the the Rams' backfield, Alex? It's one that I think uh, it's it's muddied right now. There isn't a whole lot of clarity, but... Cam Akers, who was you know, not expected to play, he's got the high ankle sprain. And now he got in a limited practice last week, and it feels like for a Rams team that needs to win this game, uh, will, not be, will, will be without sorry, Jared Goff, and could potentially have to use Malcolm Brown as their starting three-down running back, who has not been efficient this season whatsoever. I think you're, you're, you might see a situation where if Cam Akers is good to go, maybe not 100%, but like 90%, We could see him out there. I'm not willing to make any predictions yet, but the fact that he ramped up his participation on Friday and is by far their most talented and explosive running back would make things really, really interesting if he's active tomorrow.
0: Yeah, and it's going to be tricky because this is a later game, so we won't know if Malcolm Brown is a good player or not at at lock. But if Cam Akers is ruled out, which – i mean there's a decent chance of from all that we know uh then malcolm brown would you'd think would be a pretty pretty good fantasy play that maybe people won't feel confident in at 12 p.m when they're making their lineups uh it is a little bit of a tough spot for the rams here with john wolford uh being the starting quarterback he does have um, and no
1: cooper cup either by the way
0: yeah he has uh, he has some rushing ability too, which could take away from Malcolm Brown uh, in this workhorse role. But um, yeah, I, I think compared to Ty Montgomery, Malcolm Brown is is a, a probably a lot harder to get to.
1: Rich, what are you doing with the backfield here? And one sorry, one thing quickly is there are some pivots. Uh, Jeff Wilson is basically the same price on DraftKings. He's hundred dollars less. George Kittle, if you're talking flex spot, is a hundred dollars less expensive than Acres. I'm not suggesting you have to jam him in, but if, if, if he is expected to play, I, I will have some interest in, in Cam Akers. Do you have any interest in anything from this Ram side of the football? Well, I think uh, Alex makes a great point just
2: because with the Malcolm Brown situation is so many people, we see it all the time, just don't utilize the late swap. if At noon, there's no word if Schefter doesn't have an overnight tweet on Cam Akers. Uh, a lot of people are just going to leave Malcolm Brown really out of their player pool. And then if Cam Akers at 3 PM is declared that he can't go, they're not they're, How many, how many people are just going to overlook, especially in week 17 of all weeks to, to not utilize the late swap yeah. uh, and, and get more exposure to Malcolm Brown. So, I mean, not that saying that locks him in is like a slam dunk play, but I, there's a good chance that because of all the circumstances we laid out that he could go, Tremendously underowned, uh, if it, if it plays out like that, and you know we don't get that overnight tweet, uh, it would be fitting too, because remember it was all the way back in week one when Malcolm Brown, you know, had the 20 touches and two touchdowns. So it'd be nice bookend of the season for him to disappear for basically 16 weeks to come back. <laughs> uh, he had a couple spots in the middle of the season there where he'd score a touchdown or, or snake us, uh, but he was the work uh, workhorse back kind of in week one, and if he wasn't in week 17, John Wolford does move around a little bit though. I think we'll see. A lot more, a lot more bootlegs, a lot more play action stuff than we have seen with Goff over the front half of this season uh, with Walford. He's a guy that can really move around and maybe that takes away some of the dump off action. We've seen mobile quarterbacks before kind of not really utilize, you know, the running backs in the passing game like they typically would. Um, But yeah, I'm more interested in the angle of will people overlook Malcolm Brown at noon as opposed to 3.30 should KM Akers be out?
1: Fair points, Alex. What about the other side with Arizona? Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins uh, do not have an injury designation coming into this game. Uh, they're playing for something as well. It's a 425 game to be exact. Is is this a spot where DeAndre Hopkins is too banged up for you? Does the matchup suck and you don't like this ramp secondary? Do you like him? And maybe it's just too too deep of a position. Um, What are you doing with Murray and DeAndre Hopkins against the Rams? Really important game for these teams.
0: Yeah, you got to love this game where it's winner-take-all. The winner advances to playoffs. The loser is out. So I think uh, Kyler Murray has been one of the, I mean, probably among the best uh, fantasy quarterbacks of the season. In a week where we have tons of value, it should be pretty easy to get to him. And then he has a great person in Hopkins, although Hopkins is quite expensive this week. So I think that's a pretty solid strategy. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Hopkins is a great fantasy player as well. The price is quite high, so I might lean more towards Devontae Adams or Calvin Ridley uh, when I'm picking lineups, but certainly a great player.
1: Yeah, how about you, Rich, for the Arizona side? Yeah,
2: that's interesting because, you know, the, the Rams, for us, all the players that we have, you know, talk about the shakeup on their offense. The defense is still excellent and they're not missing anybody. Uh, Brandon Staley's done a really phenomenal job uh, as a defensive coordinator. There, really altering their game plans week to week, almost in a Belichickian type fashion. Uh, They're the number one defense against the deep ball and the the gap from them to the next defense against the deep ball is, is really so it's so night and day. Uh, They're so far, far uh, far ahead of the pack here. The first time these teams played Kyler only 4.4 yards for pass attempt. Uh, they really had a great game plan against him. And that was when Kyler was in the middle of his, like, is he going to run phase? And he had this, whatever they call the lower leg injury, whatever vague uh, input we got out of the coaching staff this week. But if he's not going to be running around, obviously that's a big part of his game plan. We since we've seen, you know, over the past month when he wasn't running Uh, but this Rams defense is real there. They are one of the defenses that I do kind of look at every week and say like, they, they've got it together on a weekly basis, um, and obviously they have a guy they can throw at DeAndre Hopkins and Jalen Ramsey to kind of at least be a thorn in his side. Hopkins led a touchdown last time they played uh, to go with this 50, what, 52 yards, uh, eight catches still. Uh, but it's probably a game too, where you don't expect the ceiling potential uh, to happen for a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. It's more of like what he had last game, get the catches, get the yards, have a respectable game. But for him to drop like a 150 or like a huge haymaker is probably going to be, you know, in the lower range of outcomes.
1: All right, fellas, one more thing before we get to our fades and pivots. I'll say it again if you missed it earlier. Tomorrow, four hours, the Sunday strategy show, we've got you covered from all angles. There's no way all of these stones won't be unturned when we've got that much time to talk about it. So be sure to jump in and join us as we take you up to lock. But for now, we're trying to hit on all of the important stuff. And one more thing, Alex, that I think is worth mentioning would be the Cleveland Browns here. They have a 73% chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, you know, that's it. They're just trying to get in. They need a couple of things to happen, but what they well, really, what they need to do is win. And they're going up against a Steelers squad that I never know if Mike Tomlin's being sincere. It's so hard to. He's like, we're going to go out there and play. We're only going to sit one or two guys, Roethlisberger and maybe Deontay Johnson. But I, I have no faith in that. What I do know is that they are huge dogs against the Browns. With this being such a huge game for Cleveland, as nine and a half point favorites and a twenty-six point total. Do you think some of these Browns players are being overlooked or are you still getting away from them? And does it concern you that they've closed their facility like 18 times in the past five days?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you got to like the Browns spot here. Uh, The defense in particular is very cheap on DraftKings. uh, Going up against Mason Rudolph, that's going to be one of the best plays at defense. But then you got Nick Chubb, who is pretty expensive this week, but this is screaming a spot where... I mean, uh, they're big favorites, and he's the guy that runs the ball uh, the most. So he he looks like a good play. It's a little bit harder to get to some of the other pieces because the rushing volume is pretty high in Cleveland. Um, Jarvis Landry got priced up as well, but certainly a team that you got all the motivation this week.
1: All right, how do you feel about him, Rich?
2: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting spot just because uh, everything going – all the ancillary stuff going on. They've practiced, I saw that they practiced – we've had one two-hour practice all week. Uh, but the Steelers have basically come out – remember, the Steelers haven't had a bye week all year. Their, yeah. their bye week in week four was they practiced the entire week, and that game got moved. So they haven't had a bye week. That's why they've been so open from go about, like, we're going to let some guys rest here. And now we have to wait and follow this Joe Hayden situation where he tested positive today – Uh, you know, on Saturday afternoon, is it going to be more cornerbacks are going to come out? Like we had Kamara yesterday get announced. Then today, if I, we find out all the running backs are close contact and they're out. Are we going to wake up tomorrow and see all the Steelers defensive backs are now out? Uh, It's one of these things. We just got to kind of, it's, there's a lot floating around this game. I definitely believe the the Browns can come out and play things close to the vest uh, and, you know, kind of just like hold things down, but I don't know if there's a lot of upside for this game, just with them, all the,
1: Weird things orbiting it. Guys, if you're playing NBA today, I saw someone in chat say, don't even play NFL this week, just play NBA. That will be silly. You know, maybe there's, <laughs> maybe there, first of all, it's the last week. Don't Playoffs play. are going to be amazing. I, I can't wait for a six game NFL slate next week, but listen, find the edge, you know find the spots that you think can be exploited. You know, maybe that's paying more attention and and trying to to hit on guys that that are being overlooked and spots for teams that are down a ton of players. Maybe that's going, playing the the afternoon slate or the late slate, doing some of these turbo slates. You don't have to, just because it's week 17, not play. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty excited about it. But if you are playing NBA today, be sure to check out the NBA Deep Dive over at com, It's the first year we're we're putting it in front of the paywall entirely free. Adam shares is dedicating hours every day to this. It's awesome. I promise you, it is the most comprehensive, complex, and detailed NBA breakdown you'll get every single day in the DFS space. It's the deep dive. Check it out. You will like it. It's entirely free. And remember, all of our shows can be found in podcast form, whether it's Apple Podcasts, whether it's Spotify. If you're looking for it, awesome search it, A-W-E-S-C-M-O. Unless it's like a Live Before Lock with no shelf life, everything else is in podcast form. So check it out. Give us a rating and a review if you like it as well. We appreciate it. All right, Rich, since you are the guest or our guest to close out the season, let's go with you first. Every week we do our top fade of the week, which doesn't mean we're going to have none of them, but maybe we see ourselves being well under the field and our top pivot, someone that we see ourselves being well over the field on, generally a lower-owned player. Who is your top fade and your top pivot of the week, Rich? Um I mean I, I want to at least say
2: that you know I don't want to choose like someone like Alex Alexander Madison because it's just it's not fun. It's week 17. I still think the, the biggest leverage spot is easily the tight, the Titans passing game. I know it's oh. like kind of cliche to say but I mean Tannehill, AJ Brown, uh Corey Davis or Johnny Smith if you want to run it back, you could definitely run it run it with that and bring back Brandon Cooks and you know kind of see what happens. But uh, I d- I think that that's still the play. Anytime Derrick Henry's super popular and I'm going to have some Derrick Henry. But uh, I'm going to have more of this Titans passing game, especially looking at this Ryan Tannehill ownership and this A.J. Brown ownership, uh, where we run a lot of those guys. How about you, Alex?
0: Uh, I guess my fate of the week would be Irv Smith. Uh, he's somehow one of the most popular players of the week. But a lot of it's been kind of like getting in the end zone, and I don't think that's something that can really be easily uh, – Predicted. I don't think that that will carry much value going into this week. The guy I'm kind of interested in at tight end is Kittle. He uh, came back last week, was supposed to be limited, but then he ran routes on 62% of the snaps. I mean, I don't know if there's anything to this CJ Beathard to Kittle connection because I know last year that was a big thing, but uh, he's been having a great year when he's played and even saw. Uh, higher workload earlier in the season so it's a little bit unclear what his snap count will be in week 17 but I don't think it'll be lower than it was in week 16 which I think makes him a good player
1: so Alex you have uh TJ Yeldon projected for around 12 percent this week or 115 percent um do we have confirmation that the Bills backfield will be without Singletary and Moss
0: um no I don't think they're going to be out but The word, at least this is what I saw this morning on Twitter, is that the Bills are expected to play about one quarter um, with their normal guys. But whether that will translate directly to TJ Yeldon, uh, that's a bigger question mark. So, I mean, maybe 11% is uh, of the field that uh, it might be a little bit of a sketchy play. And there's some other great plays this week.
1: Yeah. So if that ends up being the case, easy, easy fade for me. Buffalo already doesn't have a ton of interest. And, and I know with Josh Allen, it's different than, than backups and all of that good stuff. But uh, if, if the game plan stays even remotely similar, and maybe it won't, I don't know. TJ Yeldon is not a guy I want in my lineups. And even if it doesn't, even if they do decide they want to run, Miami has a ton to play for. They have a quality defense, man. The strides they've made just over the last calendar year have been incredible. So TJ Yeldon, Uh, And he's coming off COVID-19, right? Wasn't he just, didn't he just test positive for COVID-19? There's just so many reasons that I would not want him at double-digit ownership. Quite frankly, I would take Dare Ogambuale at his projected 5% over Yeldon all day long. We know that Doug Marone force feeds his running backs, his starting running back, even if they're playing down by three-plus touchdowns. We saw it last week. So even if they're down, I expect him to get work uh, through the air and probably 14, 16 carries. Even if they're down by a ton of sc- uh, a ton of points, so give me that. Uh, knowing that Marone is just going to go to him, likely in a similar fashion that he did with James Robinson. Um, so there it is, fades pivots of the week. This has been the last one. Rich, any closing thoughts for such a crazy week as we uh, <laughs> we close out the season of On the Contrary. Uh, i mean no i mean there's a lot more
2: uh interesting plays too uh you know out there i think darius slayton is kind of fun uh as like a guy has no interest if you look at projected ownerships out there uh it's at eight eight plus targets his last three games and another must win game we didn't talk about that game being the dual-sided must-win game giants cowboys because no one cares but uh <laughs> there's some there's some intrigue in some of the passing uh pieces there but you know just you know Listen, 2020 was a hard year for a lot of people. We made it uh, through the end here to week 17. We'll have the playoffs to look forward to. And just anyone that's come along for the ride, you know, thanks. Uh, especially if you tune into this show and all the shows, because, you know, we didn't know if we'd have football or fantasy football. And is it the most important thing in the world this year? Absolutely not. But at least to provide a small a little bit of escape for a lot of us, uh, out there, you know, in this tough seat, tough year of 2020, which is now 2021, but obviously we're going to be bleeding into a, uh, for a few more, for a few more months of 2021 as well.
1: Yeah. We're not out of the weeds yet. Alex, take us home, baby. <laughs>
2: yeah, guys. Uh,
0: just thanks for for tuning in and supporting the stream all year. It's been uh, a lot of fun. Thanks, Rich. And uh, all of our other guests that have been on the show, um, And hopefully we can pin down some of these good picks for this week so we get some takedowns. uh, So it'll be a fun one.
1: Absolutely. Guys, thanks for hanging out with us throughout the season. And obviously today. We'll see you back here tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern. You've got NBA coming up today, 6 o'clock, live before lock as well. So stick with us here at the Awesome o YouTube channel. Have a great new year. Well, have a great start to the new year. Follow these guys on Twitter one more time, Lord Reeves, Awesome o DFS, myself at Lafay underscore D. And as always, thanks to our boy Jordan Klein behind the virtual glass producing this last thing. Get us to 50K subs. If you're not a sub, hit that subscribe button and your thumbs up on the way out the door. It is greatly appreciated. We'll see you back here soon.